What have been some of the accomplishments that you've achieved in your life? As you think about this, I want to think about everything from the marvelous, like if you have a chance to kind of brag about yourself, like what's that top thing you want to talk about? I was able to accomplish this. To even some of the most mundane, hey, I made it to church today. That was the goal, you know. Well, think about what are some of your accomplishments in life? Maybe even broaden that a little bit. Maybe they're ones that you haven't achieved yet. Well, what are some accomplishments that you hope to achieve, that you have plans in place or dreams that you'd like to hit? One thing I, I would love to do at some point, if it ever uh, pans out, I, I'd love to build a home. And, and on one hand, you know, you could just, um, you know, organize that and plan that out. But um, I, I'd like to be the guy a little more hands-on and, and, and putting beams in place and hanging drywall and, and doing finish work and uh, all those kinds of things. And I, I really would love to be a part of that process of building a home. And then part along those same lines, but completely different, uh, one of the accomplishments that I've been able to, to achieve, I'm, I'm hoping to continue in, is building a family, getting married and having kids and investing into our kids, and someday down the road, you know, grandkids, and just seeing as that family expands. Maybe you have a, a, a goal, or maybe you've already accomplished this and want to continue to, to uh, expand on this, of just traveling, whether it be just traveling in, in the States or traveling the world and going overseas. Maybe that's just a goal of yours that you've had in mind. Let's say that schooling. Maybe you have a goal or you've already achieved that goal of hitting a certain level of education. Whether it be just graduating junior high or high school or, or uh, getting through college or getting a master's or getting a doctorate or getting your third doctorate. I don't know if any, anybody, maybe that's a goal of yours. Um, that's pretty awesome. That's great. Maybe there's lifelong learning. Maybe yours is, is, is a little more. Uh, hits real close to home, and it has to do with just your, your, your body. And you're saying, man, I, 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 I want to just drop 10 more pounds and then keep it off. Right? Maybe it has to do with your spending. I, I, I want to um, pay off one more credit card and keep it paid off. You know, what are your accomplishments? Maybe you want to learn a new language or learn a new instrument or learn how to do a new craft. I always thought, you ever get like one of those what-if games? Like what if you could just instantly know something, like Matrix style? You just download the information and know how to do one thing just right off the bat, what would it be? And this might be kind of cliche, but I always thought it'd be great to know how to play the piano. I, I, I know just enough to know that I have no business playing the piano, and I don't know how to play the piano. I, I, just, I would love just to be able to have that. It's like a second language. Just be able to sit down and, and you know, this is a little weird to, to hope for this, but you ever see those articles about the guy who gets, like, uh, struck in the head, and, and he's unconscious for a day or two, and he wakes up, he can, like, speak fluent Dutch? Or he can, like, play the piano even though he's never sat down in front of one. You know, so I can still hope for that. You know, whatever. You got some weird dreams, Steve. I just hope I'm hitting the head. Take a moment to think through your desired accomplishments that you've yet to achieve. So what are some that you hope to see in your future that you haven't accomplished yet? As you think about the road that is ahead, what, what kind of emotions come to mind? Is there joy and excitement? I imagine there is. But what's interesting is that I bet the closer you get to taking some of those significant steps and those, seeing those realized, while the joy and excitement may grow, maybe so does the dread a little. Or, or, or the fear or, or the concern as you see, hey, this is going to be hard work. See, honestly, I can't think of much growth anywhere that doesn't have some kind of uphill battle. It doesn't have some kind of work and energy that it takes one way uh, to think about it is like life is, is naturally a, a down escalator. 
Yeah, if you imagine life a, as a, a tower, a building, and all these different levels, and as you grow, you're, you're moving up through the building, but the building's full of down escalators. So if you just stand still at any point on a stairwell between levels, you're going back down. And so to advance, to grow, to take a next step takes energy and effort and hard work. And, and just for the sake of having a little fun with it, let's pretend the escalator gets faster every level you go up. Isn't that true, though? The, the more we try to grow in certain areas, sometimes it really takes energy. It really takes effort. And if we just stand still, we can feel like we're losing ground. We stop caring about our, our, our bodies and being active or what we're eating. Our health declines. If we stop sharpening our minds by engaging in conversation or investing in, in, in time in, in, in reading or, or uh, in the arts in some capacity, if we, if we stop sharpening our minds, like a pencil that never gets sharpened, we become dull. If we stop investing in our relationships with others, we may still live in proximity, but we see that relationship suffer, right? We begin to grow distant. It's kind of an odd connection here, but something, uh, one of my favorite times of the month is, is right after all the bills are paid. Because right after all the bills are paid, it's like you can say, all right, I'm good, I don't owe anybody. But then there's that reminder that Yes, but we use electricity today. We haven't received the bill yet, but it's, it's building and it's coming. It's like, so we just got everything paid. Okay, but it's coming again. And it's going to come the next month. It just continues to take work to keep accomplishments going. But it's worth it, though, right? As you think of these different things that we've accomplished, the things that we long to accomplish, we can see that the hard work, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the time, the energy, all that we pour out on this, these journeys is worth it. It is so worth it. We've added a few fr uh, fruit trees on our property, put a few apple trees up this past fall, and uh, hoping to get some cherry trees in the spring. And so there's the work of, of getting them to the house. There's the work of digging the hole and planting them and making sure they're, they're stabilized as they take to the, you know, the new, new area and be planted there. And, and a little bit I'm starting to learn. Uh, I, I've learned that if you really want a tree that produces an awesome harvest, the first couple years, you have to trim it back quite a bit so you won't get much of a harvest. You have to be willing to sacrifice those first couple years so that you can get a, a greater harvest later. And we might get some apples, but not as many as we could. And so there's this process and, and this work and this energy. But I'm like, there's a day where there is fruit, literally and figuratively, of our labor that is coming. And we'll be able to go up to that and pull that fruit off that tree and, and take a bite into that juicy apple. And just to see that, man, it was worth it, the work to plant this tree. I think we feel the same way about our accomplishments, both, both those that we've achieved and those we desire to achieve, that we see that end result, we know, man, it is worth it or it was worth, worth it for those that we've already accomplished. Here at Meadowland, we believe that everyone's on a spiritual journey of some sort. See, as, as people, as humans, we're more than just flesh and, bo and bone. The questions we ask, the, the, these existential uh, thoughts that we ponder, we don't see that in any other creation, any other uh, uh, living thing. That, that there's more than just the flesh and bone that we can see and touch, but we, we see that there's, there's, there's the essence, the spirit of what it means to be human. And, and part of that is, is seeking, you know, who is our creator? You know, where did we come from? Those kind of big questions. And, and if you're interested in questions like that, you can actually pop online and uh, metalandchurch.org. We actually just finished up a, a series, Explore God, where we ask a lot of those big questions 
existential questions and, and uh, try to address some of that. And, uh, you know, we can only do so much in the time we have together. Um, so I encourage you, if you still have those questions, please keep on in conversation with others a- as we move forward on our journey. But you might be at a completely different place than your neighbor. Maybe you're just indifferent, and you're just here with a friend because you heard there's food afterwards. And by the way, there's food afterwards. We're having a smorgasbord. We've got some uh, stuff set in back, and you brought some great stuff as well. And so uh, I invite everyone here, uh, grab your kids when we're done, bring them back up. We'll, we'll flip the room. We'll push the chairs to the outside. We'll bring some tables in and, and enjoy a meal together uh, as we begin our month and begin this new series. Um, but maybe you're just indifferent about God. You don't really care. Someone's like, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? And you're like, nope. <laughs> hey, do you know what's going to happen after he dies? No, no, no. Maybe that's just where you're at, and that's okay. But our heart is that we can help walk with you and take you whatever that next step is. So maybe there is something that is worth a little exploration. Maybe you're curious. Maybe you've taken the next step beyond that curiosity, and you're actively investigating faith. Want to know who is Jesus? What was he all about? Who did he say that he was? Who did he show himself to be? How do I balance the questions I have about Jesus and the questions I have about the church? Maybe you've already taken those steps and, and, and you're maybe a recent disciple. You've come to a point recently in your life where you say, Jesus, I believe that you are God. And I've trusted my life with you. Or maybe that's something you did a long time ago and you've been walking with Jesus for years. And maybe you did that a long time ago and that was the last you really ever dealt with him. And you haven't even thought about it much since then. But see, we're all on a journey and our heart is to help each person take the next step. One of the things we love to see here at Meadowland is helping people grow spiritually. Take a next step on that journey. But see, spiritual growth will also produce fruit and joy in our lives. And just like these other accomplishments we've been talking about. Yes, it can take hard work sometimes. It can be some blood, sweat, and tears. But as we grow spiritually, just like in any other accomplishment or any other act of growth, it produces fruit in our lives. And the cool part is it actually produces fruit in the lives of others as God works in and through us. Growth in life is often about what we do, right? If you want to hit some of those accomplishments we talked about earlier, there's some things you can go do today. You know, if, if you want to drop some, some weight, you can change your diet up. You can get, you know, a new exercise program. If you want to pay off those credit cards, you can change your spending habits. And, and sometimes it's harder to see what those can be or, or we have less opportunity to make some of those different changes. But at the end of the day, a lot of growth is what we do. If you want to learn how to speak Spanish, start taking courses or, or reading in some books. There's, there's self-discipline involved. But see, the, the interesting thing about spiritual growth is it's a, it's got a real specific difference. If general growth in life is about what we do, think of it this way. Spiritual growth is about what's already been done. Spiritual growth is about what's already been done. Sometimes I find people asking questions when, when they're pursuing who God is and they want to grow in that knowledge. They ask this question, what must I do to earn God's favor? How, how can I get to a place where God and I are, are good? We're good with each other where at least he'll let me into heaven, he'll let me come stay in his house in, in eternity. I at least want to know, you know, on a, on a first-name basis so that in eternity, God and I are cool. What, what, what do I have to do to get to that point? But see, the amazing part about when we look at God's love is to think of how, how, what I have to do to earn that. Is you already got it. That there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more because 
He loves you with everything already. And the converse is true in the sense of there is nothing you can do to make God love you less. His love for you is based on who he is as a loving father in heaven. Just let that sink in for a minute. You are loved by the God of this universe. And nothing you can do will change that. We don't need to earn God's love in the same way for those who have children. There's nothing your children need to do to earn your love. As a parent, you simply love them. Now, do you have hopes and desires for them? Love to see them make certain decisions and not make others? Sure. But your love for them is not based on what they do or their actions. We're coming that God's love for us is not based on our actions, but it's based on who he is. And we already have this fullness of God available to us in the gospel. We talked about it a little bit when we celebrate communion together here, that when we trust in Jesus, that we, are, we take on the very righteousness of God and can be in relationship with him. And, and so that, that, that we can receive this righteousness, this forgiveness, and we can engage in, in relationship with God. So not only are, are we fully loved by God, but now we're in a right relationship with God through Jesus. In Jesus is forgiveness of sin. In Jesus, we are made righteous. And so spiritual growth is not rooted in what must I do to get God's love. Instead, it's found in remaining in Jesus and what he's already done. Spiritual growth is not focused in, it's not rooted in what must I do, but it looks at the work of Jesus that when we trust in him, our sins are forgiven, we are made full, we are made righteous as we experience the the love of God. And so then spiritual growth from that point is about what has already been done. You've already been forgiven in Jesus. You've already been made righteous. And in that freedom, we can then go and say, how can I shape my life out of obedience to be more like Jesus? But we need to get that that, that new way of thinking there first. Spiritual growth is not about what do I have to do to find favor, to be right with God, but it's it stands on the shoulders of what Jesus has already done. And so first we begin there with Jesus. Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Have you trusted in him? And said, Jesus, I, I believe that you are God and that your death on the cross pays the price for my sins. And then from that point, it becomes remaining in that place with Jesus. We're starting a new series today on, on our road to Easter called Remaining. The joy of a focused life. And you may know people who, who live a very focused life, and, and there's things that they, that they just, man, they're all about it. Maybe it's a, a hobby they do, or it's their job, or it's their family, but there's something that they just, uh, they, they press on, and they're disciplined, and they fight back the distractions, they keep, they, they want to keep this goal in sight. See, the, the author of Hebrews uses the imagery of, of a runner running a race to describe life. It's like running a race. And that end, line, end goal, that, that's the focus, that's where you're going. And there's all these distractions, you can get off the course if you're not paying attention. Maybe think more of a cross-country track as opposed to a, a, a high school track. And, and to stay the course, he says, to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. <coughs> Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So this life we live, 
is meant to be one of remaining in life with Jesus. And so the question I want us to ask here this morning is, what is your focus? What is the focus of your life? Have you ever thought about that? Here's the time to kind of unpack this a little bit. What motivates you to get up on a frigid Monday morning and press on to go to work and do the things that you do as you lay out what your day is going to look like, as you invest time in the places that you invest time in, ultimately it all comes down to where your focus is. And and what is the fruit that you're longing for that makes all that hard work and energy worth it? There's all kinds of things that I I focus on in my life. I, I desire to know Jesus and to make him known to others. A desire to build a relationship with and, and live out the responsibility uh, to my wife and live in a relationship and build a, you know, and live out my responsibility to my kids and my family and my community. I've always had a focus on wanting to achieve success in, in whatever I do in, in the workplace. I, I want to be successful in that, and I have to kind of pause and have to ask, okay, so what does that success look like? And as you look at all these different things, and I'm just getting started here, as you look at all these different things that we're focused on in life, right, all of a sudden we can see sometimes there's conflict, and we have to begin to prioritize uh, w- when two are calling us in different directions, what focus of our life wins out? What gets to be the primary focus of our life? One of the examples of this is uh, if you and I are, are grabbing a bite to eat or something like that, and my wife calls, um, because I put her as one of the primary focuses in my life, I, I work hard to try to give her that place and, and, and keep her there and remain in that relationship. Uh, so very often I'll excuse myself or interrupt, just, hey, I need to take this call quick from my wife. In one sense, I may not say it out loud like this, but I'm saying, can you pause a minute because my wife is important to me. And I want to give her that focus in my life. And if it's something that doesn't need to be addressed, I will, you know, hey, let's chat later and then, come back to the conversation, but sometimes those focuses can conflict, and we, we look to see which one w- wins out, which one gets our time, and that kind of begins to reveal where your primary focus is, but what would you say is your primary focus? Throughout this series, we're going to spend some time in the writings of the Apostle John. We're going to look in John chapter 15, we're going to be in First uh, John, uh, look, walking through the chapters of that, and he calls us to focus on Jesus, Jesus as our primary focus, that Jesus would be our focus above and before anything and everything else, our source of life itself. As we remain in him, focused on Jesus, it is there that we, that we grow spiritually. It is there that we experience the fruit and the joy that comes with growing spiritually. If you got your Bibles, if you go ahead and open up to John chapter 15, that's where we're going to be here this morning, John chapter 15. And, and see, throughout the book of John, throughout John's gospel, uh, John records seven I am statements that Jesus makes. He makes statements like, I, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. It's all these I am statements. And each one, we get to learn a little bit about who God is, who Jesus is, what, what he's like, and, and what our relationship to him looks like. And so in John chapter 15, we get another I am statement. Again, to help us understand a little bit about what Jesus is like, and what our relationship is to him. And so in John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. 
so he's unpacking this imagery. Jesus is the vine, the, far, the, the father is the farmer, the vine dresser, he tends to it. And, and then where do we fit in this analogy? We're the branches, right? I don't know if it's a ele- uh, step up or a step down from being sheep. In a lot of other analogies, we're the sheep. But in this one, we're, we're the branches. Jesus is the vine, and the father is the farmer. But I want you to notice something, verse 3. Already done. This has all been worked out. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Jesus speaking to his disciples saying, hey, when you trust in me, when, when, when your faith is in me, you, you've already been clean. You're already righteous in essence. Their faith was in Jesus. They knew he was the Christ. Even when, when, when challenging moments came and he questioned the, the disciples, who do you say that I am? Are, are you going to leave me too? They said, where would we go for you have the words of life? For you are the Christ. And so for those of us here this morning who have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we can see those words as if he was speaking them to us as well. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already you are clean because you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But again, I think sometimes we get too much caught up in this question of, am I good enough? Even after we receive Jesus, for those who are followers of Jesus, have you ever wrestled with that question? Am I good enough? Will God accept me? Yeah, I've trusted in Jesus, and I've got to do other stuff too, right? There's other things I have to do to, to, to earn your love, God. We, we ask questions like that, but that's simply not true. Because already you've been clean. Already you are made righteous. And a branch on the vine, this is the picture of, of the gospel, of salvation in Jesus. If we're a branch, and that branch is remaining in the vine, connected into the vine, that's where life comes. And that's that picture of salvation. So Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. What's the focus of the branch? Some may say, well, the branch is to, be, is to grow fruit. And honestly, no, we don't. As a branch, we don't grow the fruit. Growing of the fruit is the job of the vine, right? The job of the branch is to what? To bear the fruit. To be the place where the fruit is produced. To be the vehicle with which the vine works to grow that fruit. This is important to see. That Jesus is the source of life. He is the the, the one that brings about that spiritual growth in us. Our role is to remain in the vine. Let's keep going. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Depending on which translation you use, you're going to see this abide in me, as you see in the ESV. You see remain is one of the common ones. So basically, uh, this Greek word meno means abide, means stay in me, dwell in me, remain in me. It's this, this action of dwelling in a place of being home. We think of the word abode, which is very close to the word abide, and, and abode is this dwelling place, and abide is the action of dwelling in a place that is home. Basically, Jesus said, you should be at home in me. And I get it. Sometimes when we, we first come to rela- step into a relationship with Jesus, it, it's like maybe your first college room. Where you walked in, it was just concrete walls, and you weren't, you, you weren't too familiar with it. You're just getting to know it. Or maybe you moved to a new town, 
And even though you're still with your family, you got you know, a new room and you, didn't, you weren't familiar with things, but then every night you stayed in your room, every night you, you, know, you did life, you realize, okay, you became more familiar with where you called home. And the same should be true of our time with Jesus, that when you first come to know him, you don't know everything about him, and, and, and you continue to get to know him. You continue to learn who he is and what he's like as we abide in him. The, the house where now the previous owners had planted a, um, a grapevine. And it was right next to some raspberries as well, and so we had this little patch of raspberries and this grapevine. And uh, what I didn't realize was quite how aggressive the raspberries were. And uh, so after a year or two of, of not doing a good job of pruning back anything, we basically had a massive raspberry patch with a grapevine somewhere in the middle that was hiding out. And, and to our surprise, after we took that, we pruned back all the raspberries, there was a pretty massive uh, a grapevine that had kind of taken over its spot as well. And, and so this last fall, I was out there cutting it all back and pruning it. And, and if I were to show you a side-by-side picture, I, I really wish I would have, um, but I'm terrible about taking pictures. Uh, pretty much anytime I finish a project, I'd be like, wow, this looks good. I wish I had a before picture. Oh, yeah, I can't do that now. So I don't have a before or after to show you. Uh, I don't have the after just because it's cold and I was being a wuss. Um, but, you know, the small little bit of a, a vin, vin, you know, not vineyard, but this vine coming out of the ground, this great vine. And, and after I'd, I'd pruned it back, I had two quote-unquote piles. One pile was all the pieces, branches I'd cut off and put them aside. And then the other quote-unquote pile, because it was still connected, so it wasn't so much a pile, but were the branches that were still on the vine. And so I had these two groups, the ones in the, in the pile been cut off and then the ones on the vine. Easy question, softball question, pop quiz. Which group is the one that's going to have new life this spring? Which group is the one that, that has the ability to bear fruit? It's the one that remained on the vine, right? Not because of what that branch is, but because of where that branch is. We must be connected to the vine because we are only branches. The vine is the life giver, the foundation, the stability, the strength, the provider. The branch remains in the vine and bears the fruit. This fruit, this, this spiritual growth we've been talking about, uh, this can look like a bunch of different things. The, the fruit could also be making much of Jesus to others and, and, and uh, just sharing our own stories. This fruit can look like serving and caring for others. This fruit can look like giving and being generous uh, with, with all that we've been entrusted to. Um, but this fruit comes as a direct result of abiding. This remaining in Jesus. This walking with him. Yet too often we live life as if we need this fruit first, and, and then we can go be with God. Kind of like, okay, I need, to, I need to get some good stuff in my life, and then I can go uh, take some steps in my walk with God. But again, we get that backwards. It's when we take some steps in our walk with God that he bears fruit in us. Look at, look at the end of verse 5 there. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. About six years ago, I preached my first message here at Meadowlands. It was amazing. There, there were tears of joy and laughter. There was introspection. Um, you know, people were, it was just amazing. It was amazing. Yes, I know I set myself up for you. You can ask, well, what happened, Steve? That's all right. I'll take that one. But I had a, I had a power tool that I use as, a, as an example. 
illustration. I thought to myself, it's been too long since we had some power tools up here, and so I'm going to remedy that. Um, I had a sander up there, and it was talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and I plugged in the sander of this outlet over there now, and uh, I said, hey, you know, being plugged into the Holy Spirit is like being plugged into this outlet. It's our source of power, and, and, and you know, if, if we veer off in our own direction, I started walking away until the cord came unplugged. I said, then we, we lose all our power. We've got to stay connected in to uh, the Holy Spirit. And then um, Ed Matheson, for those who know him, um, uh, he came up to me afterwards. He says, I don't like the word plugged in. I said, that's okay. I've already preached the message. <laughs> no, but it's like, it's plugged in. It has this kind of one-time thing. You plug it in and you walk, it, walk away when this being connected into the Holy Spirit is something that you, you, you stay, you remain. And that stuck with me. And I'm like, okay, I, I see what you're saying. And I, and I like that. And, and it's actually kind of a similar illustration we're talking about today because this here is a drill. And it, it was made, uh, if, if you have to put you know, screws into a project, hang some drywall, if you're building something, you're assembling it, you can put various bits in it, pull the trigger and, and go. If you need to drill some holes in something, uh, making a birdhouse, you need a place for the bird to get in, or just you need to tree drill something, you can drill some holes. All kinds of different things you can do with this drill. Uh, but for those who are very observant or familiar with drills, you realize there's something key that is missing from this drill. As it sits, it is useless. It can do nothing. Because it's not abiding in the power source. If I take the power source and, and the drill abides in the power source, all of a sudden, we can go for days. The second it doesn't abide in the power source, it can do nothing. The same is said of us. When we abide in Jesus, when we abide in the vine, when we remain in him, then we bear much fruit. But apart from him, we can do nothing. Sure, this, this drill can keep being a drill and it can be in my toolbox, but to to be used in the way it was intended, to accomplish something, to bear fruit, it's got to remain connected to Him. In the same way in our lives, as followers of Christ, if we want to grow spiritually, if we want to see fruit in our lives, we need to remain in Jesus. When we remain in Jesus, life change happens. Happens in us, happens in others. And so the last question we're going to ask here this morning is, how do we remain in Jesus? This is actually going to be the question of this whole series. How do we remain in Jesus? What does this look like to live a life that is remaining in Jesus? Well, I think one of the ways we remain in Jesus is, is through a, a clarified understanding of this act of remaining. And I think the clarified understanding of this act of remaining uh, unpacks it. That it it's an ongoing, intentional action of remaining. It's an ongoing, intentional action of remaining. First of all, to remain in Jesus is ongoing. Again, too often I hear the gospel communicated as a get-out-of-hell-free uh, get card. If you pray this prayer, you won't have to go to hell when you die. And the conversation stops and people don't continue on to say, no, honestly, it's about a relationship with God. And it starts in salvation. It starts in trusting in Him for the forgiveness of our sins. And when we do that, uh, we're, we, we, we step into this relationship that brings about eternity with God. But it's not this one-time transaction where Jesus takes our sin and, and we take his righteousness and then we, we don't ever see each other, don't ever speak again. Think of the first time you met one of your best friends. Think about the first time you met your spouse. Think of the first time you met your sibling. Maybe you were older and, and you got to see them when they were newborns. 
The first time you have to meet your own kid. In that first time, if you can remember that moment, you didn't know who they were. You didn't know the things about them that, that you do now. You didn't have the time spent together. You didn't have the experiences that you've been through. But there's something that started that relationship. Maybe it's, in a, maybe it's even a pretty good story. But you started that relationship, and then you continued. It was an ongoing relationship, an ongoing time of, of spending time together. I just continue to come back to the story of, of my own life with my wife. I remember the first time I saw her on campus. I remember the first date I took her on. I, I remember some of those different first moments, first time we went skiing. And skiing is probably the only sport in this world that I'm better than my wife at. And I remember how frustrated she got trying to hide the fact that she was frustrated by it. Because she was the athlete and I definitely am not. I remember all these different things in that time we spent together because we continued in relationship. It was ongoing. It was a, a continued getting to know each other. See, that's one of the things I love about communion is this, is this ongoing relationship, this ongoing reminder of who Jesus is and, and what he did. Our walk with Jesus is meant to be just like that, where we continue to partake in, in, in um, communion. We continue to live in relationship with him. Communion is a celebration, a remembrance of the union that we have with Jesus. In the same way that you can have an anniversary as a celebration of, of a marriage, or you can have a, a friendiversary as a celebrate, you know, the, 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 the relationship you have with a close friend. We have all these things that we do on, on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly, on a yearly basis when we're in relationship with someone else, right? The same should be true of our walk with Jesus. Remaining is ongoing. Remaining is intentional as well. Think about, again, go back to that first question about areas of growth in your life and, and accomplishments. Did any of those happen by accident? Maybe you got interested in them by accident, by you know, happenstance, or you didn't see it coming. But my guess is growth and accomplishment in your life came because you intentionally took steps forward. You know, one of the questions we asked in our last series, Explore God, was about, um, along the lines of how can a loving God allow suffering? And what's interesting is, is it doesn't fully answer this question, but when I look at different times in my life when we've experienced difficulty or different kinds of suffering, those are actually the times where I was most intentional in my walk with God. But when I went through those moments of difficulty, those were those reminders of, oh, I need God. I, I can't do this life on my own. There's so much I don't have control over, I don't have power over, and so I've got to trust in him. And so I was taking intentional steps. Now, now fast forward to when that difficulty has passed, and you find yourself in a season of ease. It takes that same intentionality. And again, it's not about doing things for God, but it's about engaging, remaining in that relationship where we're putting intentionality in the time that we spend in the life that we live with Jesus. To remain in him is ongoing. To remain in him is intentional. To remain in him is active. That it would reach into every aspect of our life. I think for many, this is probably one of the most difficult steps to take when it comes to remaining in him. Perhaps you've been taught that there's a separation of aspects of life. You put work in this box. You put religion in this box. You put politics in this box. You, you, know, you, you kind of divvy it all out, and, and they don't really co-mingle. But if we're truly desiring to grow spiritually, 
to come to know who Jesus is, we, we see that this is an all or nothing. This is every, he wants our everything as we remain in him. In the same way, for those who are married, that your spouse would desire your everything. All, you know, to, that you'd be fully invested. It's not like you're married and then when you go to work, you're not married. Or, or, or when you go on vacation, you're not. You know, no, you, you, that, that, marriage, that, that decision to be husband and wife begins in that moment those I do's and, and lasts forever. In, in the same way, our, our relationship with Jesus is, is meant to permeate every aspect of our life. And, and so if you've come to know Jesus younger in your, you know, at an earlier day in your life, and it's just always kind of sat on the shelf as, yep, I made that decision, but you haven't applied it to the rest of your life, I invite you to do that today. Let today be that first step where you're actively remaining in that relationship that you began with Jesus. See, that, that's the life of the disciples. See, I, I, while the things that they did and the things that took place after Jesus ascended into heaven were difficult, they were persecuted, they faced opposition. On one hand, it was difficult, but on another hand, it was very simple to them. I'm not going to say easy, but it was very simple to them because of one thing. They had seen the risen Jesus personally. They, they, they knew it to be true. Jesus had appeared to them, and, and their lives reflect that. And so while we maybe don't have the front row seat that they did, we have their story. We have the evidence of their lives where they were willing to go through all kinds of difficulty and persecution because what? Because they believed what they saw. They believed Jesus was who he said he was. They believed he was the one. Kind of as, as we just crack open this series, I just want to bring us to First John chapter one. Because it begins to kind of talk about um, the heart with why we long for this remaining in Jesus. Let me just read this to you here. First John chapter one, verse one. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the this uh, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it. And testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. It's talking about Jesus here. We've seen the risen Jesus from the Father. He's been made manifest to us. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And then that our joy isn't just John speaking of himself, but it's his hearers as well. That we would find joy in this kind of life of remaining in him. We can go back to John 15 as well, verse 11. This is Jesus speaking. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. I think sometimes this act of remaining in Jesus can feel like, oh, there's just more things I need to do. That's why we started talking about, no. It's what's already been done by the work of Jesus, and it's just growing in that relationship with him. We need to, we need to start there. I think sometimes we begin to say, okay, as I'm in a relationship with Jesus, in the same way in other, any other relationship, it changes you, right? We become more like him. I think sometimes we start to walk down that road, and people think, oh, you just want me to do a bunch of church things. No. I want us to become more like Jesus. Because there is a joy that is from the Father in heaven. That when we abide in Jesus, he desires to make that joy complete. That we would have that same joy. And so as we step into this series, let us seek to learn how we can remain in him. 
know that's still your joy. Let's pray. Father God, you are an amazing God. We love you so much. We thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you went to the cross, that you laid down your life so that we could have forgiveness of our sins, so that we could have a relationship with you, God. As we walk through our days, there's so many distractions. As we begin to walk this road towards Easter, Father, I pray you would help us to remain in you. To, like a branch remaining in the vine, Jesus, help us to remain in you where we know this relationship with you is ongoing, it's intentional and active, reaching into every aspect of our lives. Help us to take those steps forward, to put the hard work into coming to know who you are more and walking in life with you. Thank you for the forgiveness that's found in you. We thank you for the life that's found in you. We thank you for the fruit that you bear in and through us and the way that plays itself out as good for us and good for others. We thank you for all that, Lord. We pray this all in your name. Amen.